It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. I cannot believe that we are already in this far into August and coming up to the Raising Money Summit. It's only a few weeks away. I've got a bunch of amazing speakers and I want you to hear from them now. So check out what a couple of them are going to be speaking about at the Raising Money Summit. And I'll see you there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Hi, I'm Kathy Fedke, co-CEO of Real Wealth Network. And we started raising money for syndications back in 2009. So I guess you could say it's my 10-year anniversary. Uh, we did some things very wrong in the beginning, and we are doing them very right today. Unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of new syndicators make the mistakes that I made in the beginning and, and mistakes that are way worse than I could ever have dreamed up. So I'm excited so excited that this event is happening, um, that I can come and teach people how to really build a business that will be there for the long term um, and that investors will just just be waiting in great anticipation for your next deal and have money set aside that they can't wait to send you. Hey, everybody. This is Corey Peterson. You know, I'm known in my industry for being able to get a crap ton of referrals. I've been able to do this through a unique customized um, binder that we sent to each and every investor. Guys, I'm going to unlock this for you at this conference. I'm going to show you the step-by-steps of it. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't use this in your uh, presentations and in your raise, money raising ability, you're not going to be successful. This tool will help you get a crap ton of referrals and that will lead you to becoming very successful in the multifamily world. Hi, I'm Ellie Perlman. And I've noticed that many investors that are trying to raise capital don't know how to systemize the process. And I found a way to build a really, really great funnel that automates the process. So I'm able to add two to three and sometimes even five investors to my list every week. So this October in Denver, I'm going to be teaching you how to uh, to do that. And I'm going to give you the step-by-step blueprint of how to build a systemized and automate your funnel. I'm going to be talking at the Raising Money Summit with Adam Adams, and I cannot wait to see you there. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam, AAA Adams, and I am joined with a friend of mine. I think we've known each other for like two years, at least on LinkedIn. We've been chatting. We have had multiple conversations. He is crushing it in the investment business. Today, what we're talking about is wealth creation. We're actually going to talk about the seven steps that you need to be able to build wealth. David is, or he has been, uh, he got start his start in equity markets trading. So he did this in the private markets in 2009. What a great time to start investing in the stock market. And he basically talks about the four stages. So welcome to the show, David Prell. David, I just want to start with my first question and the public markets. Thank you. I just want to start with my first question uh, about these four stages that you started to go in as we were doing our pre-interview. I thought that was really, really interesting. So if you could start there, I know that's a good segue into your background. Yeah. So when I started trading in the, in the markets uh, back in 2009, you know, everything was kind of falling apart and I'm like, wow, like I just got, I got some money on the sidelines here and this is like, you can't go much lower. So I started, I bought my first stock back in January, 2009. The, the markets hit their bottom uh, two months later in March. 
And so right off the bat, I was making, I was making, I was making a ton of money every day. The stock was rising. I, I bought Avis, car rental company, when it was at 40 cents a share. I bought them to 39 cents a share. And then I sold that a couple of weeks later at 65 cents a share, and I thought I was a genius. Well, I wasn't a genius. Um, a year later, it was at 12 bucks a share. Oh, so, crazy. Yes, yeah, so I was making money for a while, and then I, then I started losing some money, and, and started learning more about it. And, and someone made a really good uh, insight that I thought really struck at the heart of the matter. So when you're trading in the markets, you know, you go through four stages. The first stage is you're making money and you don't know why. And then you start losing money and you don't know why. And then you start learning about things and all of a sudden you're losing money, but now you understand why. And that leads you to the fourth stage, which is you're making money and you understand why. So that's, uh, there's, there's a process involved in that. And anybody who's going to try to make money in the markets, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real shark pool over there, but uh, it can be done. You just have to, you know, I, I, I would recommend anybody to, to practice trade first, virtual trade first, practice, and that way you'll get a sense of uh, what's going on. But anyway, that's how I got my start in, in the financial side of things. So let me get this straight. You're saying that there's four steps, and I made a note of it trying to understand if I had them accurately. So I, I basically wrote make, lose, lose, make. And what that was meaning is I think you said you start making money and you have no clue why. Then you start losing money. And you're like, I'm clueless. Is Where is this money going and how am I losing it? The third step is actually you lose money and now you understand. Ah, oh, that's why. You guys, you kind of get the aha moment. And the fourth step is because now that you're understanding, you start to make money and understand why. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. Got it. Got it. What other, before we get into these amazing seven steps and I will tease the listener, these seven steps are incredible. They are, they don't have to go in order by the way, but these are the seven things you have to do if you want to create wealth. So this is the podcast for you to listen to. All right, David, what other background do you have that would benefit us as we start talking about growing our wealth? Well, professionally speaking, after that, I shifted over um, into being a mortgage broker, um, which doesn't mean what most people think it means, because I was doing it here in Israel, um, and the job is quite different than it is in America. It's much more financial guidance. It's much more involved in the structuring of the actual loan and helping the clients understand the different loan products and how that fits with their financial plans and what they're planning on doing with their, with their money in five years, 10 years, 20 years out. So it was, a, it was a bit of a financial advisory position. And that through that position, I, I came to start my, my real estate advisory company to help people actually invest in a diversified manner in real estate. Okay, got it, got it. Let me ask you a couple of quick questions. Just to clarify, you don't live in the States. You live in Javad Zev, Israel? Yeah, Givad Zev, Israel, yes. Givad, okay. okay. About 10 north of Jerusalem. Okay, nice. So have you ever lived in the States? When you were a mortgage banker, broker, you were in Israel? Or kind of give us the background of the history of where you've lived and when you lived there so we can yes, kind of I was born. I was born and raised in New Jersey. And I lived there for about eight, the first 18 years. And then, uh, then I spent a number of years in New York. And about 10, 11 years ago, I moved here to Israel. So and in my professional capacity, I only really worked in Israel. When I was in the States, I was in a, uh, in a, in a student in different programs. And uh, 
And here I was, served, I was functioning as a mortgage broker for, for a number of years before I started the advisory business. Got it. Got it. Can you tell me uh, a bit more about the advisory business before we get into the, first, the seven steps? Uh, the, the question that I have specifically is who is your target client? It's a great question. So we started this company. When I started off, I wanted to be able to help people um, who couldn't get into larger deals or didn't have easy access to larger deals, so, but had some means of investing. Either they were accredited investors on, living in the U.S., but they had you know, an extra fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, $200,000 a year even, or people living in Israel where the regulations are a bit different. And when I looked around to see who was providing such a service, there really wasn't, at that point, I found anybody doing it in a, in a good way. So I set up my own company, my own outfit. I made my own connections. And uh, thankfully, I had a lot of really, really strong connections in real estate. And we're able to bring people into deals that typically have you know, higher minimums, you know, $250,000, $500,000 minimums. We're able to, we, we have some investors who put in $700,000 into deals. And then we have some investors who are putting in you know, twenty dollars to $30,000 into deals. And, and the goal is not somebody who only has $20,000 to invest. The goal is for somebody who has fifty or $60,000 to invest to be able to spread that into three different deals. And now you're diversified and you have a much more, your risk is much more, is much lower because you're not in one deal. So they would spread the 50-ish thousand into about three different deals? That would be the idea, yeah. I mean, okay. you're in real estate. You understand any one deal, no matter how well it's underwritten and how great the market is, any one deal can fall. But if you spread your money into, into a industrial deal in New Jersey and an, and an office deal in Georgia and a, and a retail deal in Oklahoma, um, you know, the, the, unless there's a total market collapse, which we've had, it's happened in recent history, um, you're, you're much more secure than if all your money's in one of those three deals. Yeah. And I will interject, um, as, as you stated, there is no hundred percent chance, right? There's no hundred percent chance. Like never you're investing in California, it might drop off. You're investing in Oklahoma, you might get a tornado. You, you're investing in Somewhere else you might get a, a, a hurricane. You're investing somewhere else, you, you might get hail damage. You're investing somewhere else and they might shut down all the car plants on you. So I completely understand that no one deal is absolutely secure. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do to try to minimize uh, and mitigate risk ahead of time, but you cannot 100% know the future. We never can. We don't know what's going to happen with the markets. We don't know what's going to happen with the, the, the area. We can do our research. We can understand that it looks like they're bringing in jobs. It looks like people have been moving there. It, there's, a, there's a reasonable uh, expectation of people continuing to be able to be moving there. Um, the taxes there are really good. You can do a lot of that due diligence up front. It doesn't mean you have a 100% chance, right? 100%. No, that's a great, that's a great point. That's something we're going to get to a little bit later, but it's one of the most important shifts in mindsets when you go from, you know, we're all raised, you know, go to school, be a doctor, be a lawyer, get your job and be secure. And, and we're raised with this mindset of just try to control everything. And one of the big shifts when you start investing and that these investors who are successful have is they understand that we're not going to try to control everything. We're just going to try to ride the waves we understand things go up, things go down. We can't control everything, so we're going to act with the understanding that we can control the future. Yeah, I recently um, invested in in a f several different real estate deals, um, syndications. So I, I mean, I run syndications also, but I I when I have a paycheck come in and it, and it's 
you know, big enough to buy a car. My thought is that I need to get it out of my way, out of, out of, out of me. There's, I don't need to have every color of Rolls Royce in, in, imaginable. I don't need a Porsche collection. I need income to come into to, as fast as it possibly can. Uh, so whenever I, whenever I do that, I try to throw out some money. I make as much money as I can now, and I go, as, I go passively. I try to invest it somewhere. So recently, uh, over the past like six months, we got invested in a little over 1,000 uh, units, 1,000 doors uh, through some of my friends that are syndicators. And all three, all, so there's a 400 unit, a 400 unit, and a 200 unit. So it's a little over 1,000. And, uh, and what I love about it is they are in three different cities. And I think sure. that's one of the steps that we're going to be talking about. So why don't we move into these seven steps that you need in order to build wealth. The first one that you mentioned to me earlier, I have written down that you've got to level up. What does that mean, David? Yeah, that means that we're not really born understanding money and we're not, we're not born understanding how to make money. You know, you can be the smartest kid in your class and, and you don't know how to make money. I remember I saw this, it was a meme or it was just a comment that like, you know, the A, the a students, they work under the B students who are owned by the C students. You know, just because you did well in school doesn't mean you know how to make money. So the first step is you have to, you have to learn practical skills you can use to generate money. You know, unless you're born into a lot of money, you have to just start making cash in order to start investing. So that could be, you know, it could be learning how to code. It could be learning uh, just going into construction and, you know, doing manual labor, which can pay quite well. Um, you've got to start generating cash. You, know, you can't build wealth until you start generating cash. Got it. Got it. And then the next one that I wrote, I, I put educate. I know that's my words for it. So um, what is the second step that you wrote? So it's level up and then you got to educate yourself. Tell me more. Right. So the educate specifically is you have to learn about investing. You have to learn about all different options out there. You know, a lot of these people post like, like stocks versus bonds, which would you do? And I, there's no, I, 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 I sure you've gotten tired of commenting it, but I was right back, you know, false binary, you know, there's no one or this or that. There's, one thing which I, which I figured out early on, which I learned early on is, I, I learned this, oh, from junk bonds, right. I remember there, there, there are people who in the 80s and 90s made tons of money in junk bonds. These are things that most people wouldn't invest in. But the point is any investment vehicle, someone's making money in it. Now, it may not be right for you. It may not be right for a lot of people, but learn about it, understand it. Is it right? Is it not right for me? I once had a client who his entire business was, they did chrome mining. And he was giving these investors like year over year a 62% on their money. They'd buy these contracts. They would mine this stuff. They'd sell it. And they give back to the investors 60, 65% of their money year over year. Now, again, does that mean I would invest with him? I wouldn't. I haven't done proper due diligence. But there's, there's every investment has, yeah, you have to figure out who's working on it. You have to know about the investment. But you can't, don't mix things just because it sounds risky. Learn about stocks, learn about bonds, learn about stock options, learn about the Forex markets. Um, cryptocurrency is interesting. I don't do it, but there are people making money there and there are people who are making money there and they know what they're doing. There are a lot of people who are wasting money there. Learn about real estate, obviously. There are a lot, within, and within each of these sections, there are many different ways to, to use them as wealth creation vehicles. You know, when I was trading stocks, I learned, I, I, I do, I know I, I use a lot of technical tools and I learned a lot of different tools. I learned a lot of different systems people have and different ways people make money. And I, and I settled in on a couple of systems that 
work for me. They work with my comfort level. They work with my risk profile. They, they, and they work with my frequency. I don't want to be sitting in front of my computer, you know, watching one minute movements on the stock market. And you don't need to do that. You can make money doing trading in a different style that allows for a little bit more flexibility in time. But I know about other systems, learn about the different systems, learn about different options that are out there. And then you can start using the ones that make sense for you. I completely agree. I want to talk about a couple of things that I heard you say. Well, first off, for the listener, I don't think we've let you know yet. Um, one thing about David is that he's invested in three different asset classes. So right now we're talking about number two, which is educating yourself, making sure that you learn and understand that asset class. So he is in three different asset classes. What will you remind us those three asset classes? Will you share those with us? You mentioned a bunch yeah. that you're not in. What three are, have you, are you focused on? I, I mentioned a bunch that, that are like the most basic ones. But you could, there was like, I could easily list about 15 others. But uh, right now, personally, I have money in stocks. Um, I have some money in options. And I have money in real estate. And one of the other things that I really liked what you said, you said every investment vehicle out there and I, I think I have you quoted verbatim. Every investment vehicle out there, someone is making money on it. Someone out there is making money on this. Uh, so I love that. That's something I've never thought of. So we'll always quote David for that. Um, the next thing that I was going to share is learn about it. You were just really talking about you have to learn about it. And that's important because I'm making a lot of money in multifamily right now. But if I didn't educate myself, I spent $40,000 on the education and I've, I spent years and I partner with people and I keep hiring mentors and partnering with people that are doing it well. But if I didn't do that, I wouldn't understand what a deal looks like. So as a passive investor, somebody could pull the wool over my eyes and show me a couple numbers. This is your IRR, this is your cash on cash. This is your, we're, rent, we're increasing the rents by 25% in year one. And here's, what we're doing here is we're adding rubs. Well, here, here's the truth about it. You probably can't increase rents in year one by 25%. That's very, very <laughs> unlikely. Rubs doesn't happen everywhere. Ratio utility billing system isn't happening everywhere. You can't you have to understand the market. So if you don't know what to look for, if you don't know what an IRR is, you probably ought not to invest passively yet because you don't understand the market and somebody could be pulling the wool over your eyes. You want to make sure that you understand it because there's a lot of people in crypto right now. David mentioned crypto. He said he's not invested in it but there's tons of people out there making a lot of money. He talked about another asset class. I think they were mining for silver or something like that. Was it, what, what is it? Mining for silver? Chrome. 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 Okay. In my head, I was picturing yeah. silver. Chrome. Yeah. And so they're mining for chrome and these investors are making 60 something percent. But does that mean just because somebody else is making 60% in chrome that the next time you see a possible potential investment in chrome that you should just put your money there? No, you have to understand how to vet the person who's mining it, how to vet the area where it's being mined, and how to vet each and every detail, which I don't even know because I'm not a crypto miner. I'm not a Chrome miner myself, but this is really good stuff. We're learning so much from you right now, David. So again, number one, level up. Number two, educate yourself. 
Yeah. Number I mean, three. The last thing you said was just so important. I just want to go back. The last thing okay. you said, especially in, re- especially in real estate, more than any, even other places, there's so much that goes, so much trust that goes into it. People just assume things are good. I was talking to other syndicators and so many of them say, that, yeah, I don't vet the deals. I just know the guy's a good guy and I just raise money for him. And I was, I, I know that's how it goes. It frustrates me when I hear that mm-hmm. because I spend so much time, you know, vetting my deals. I just lost a deal because I spent a week and a half reviewing the deal. It was a value-add multifamily in a B-class neighborhood that I wasn't familiar with. So we spent a lot of time going back and forth with the operator and we ended up losing out on the deal because we spent so much time looking into the details, which I'm happy about. I'm okay with that. Um, but then, so, but, but then you have these people, I once had a, I once had a deal come to me and we put money in the deal and they sent us the contract. The way, I oper- the way I operate, the way I bring small money into deals is we create our own LLC. The investors come into my LLC and then I put the LLC into the deal. So I signed the operating agreements with the sponsor. They sent me the agreement and I start reading through it and I caught, it was, it was, it was a terrible mistake. The guy had it that it was a 70-30 split. The promote was 70-30. But the way they structured it, they structured that the, the, the sponsor had 30% of the equity. Okay, so you split 70-30. But then they had, a, on top of that, they had a 70-30 split. So effectively, the investor would get 49% of the money. They put the 70 split in twice. Mm. So I pointed it out to them. We corrected it. And I asked them, like, is this a new contract? They're like, no, no, we've been using this for years. And I said, like, no one's read this before? Like, no, no one's read this before. I mean, these guys are doing, you know, like $50 million properties mm-hmm. a couple times a year. Like, just, there's a lot of trust. And, and that's nice. But, you know, you got you to gotta know what you're doing. You got to do your research. I even put out a course to help people just become passive investors. Just the basics. You know what you said, IRR, cash on cash, what things mean, what to look for in deals. Rules of thumb. Yeah, basic questions to ask. What, what, what's, it, what's another big one? Um, uh, the, the expense ratio. Like we, those of us, you probably are very aware that most expense ratios are right at about 50%, give or take 5%, but usually they're right at 50 and we see some operators showing like, oh, we're going to be able to upgrade this to a 35% expense ratio. And you're just like, I don't believe you. I do not believe you. <laughs> but if you haven't done number two, which is educate yourself about the asset class, then people can pull the wool over your eyes. It's very, very important. Let's move into the budget, uh, making sure you have enough money and minimizing your expenses. Number three. Right. So the, the, that's, a, that's where it kind of dovetails really with step number one is while you're in your growth phase, you know, everyone likes to, to watch these videos of these wealthy people flying right on their jets or riding around in their, in their Lamborghinis or Rolls Royces. And so you start investing, you're like, I'm going to be make a lot of money so I can just spend money right now. And the answer is, can't do that. You know, right now you're in your growth phase, you're getting started. You got to put every dollar you have into, into work for yourself. So you got to cut your expenses. You want to live as simply as possible. You want to spend as little on yourself as possible and start shoving away as much as you can and invest it because, you know, when you're in your 20s or 30s, time is your best friend. If you can start putting that money away at a 15% IRR, which is, or even let's be really conservative, at a 13 or 12% IRR, and you're going to have it tucked away for 20, 30 years, you know, the time you're 50, that dollar in your 20 is going to increase dramatically. I mean, we're talking about multiples here. So yeah, you want to keep your expenses low. You want to budget yourself really well so that you can really start building that bedrock of money that's going to create, be creating that passive income for you. Yeah, absolutely. On, as far as that goes, it's one of the things, um, I know this ties in a little bit. In my audience, there's a lot of people that want to be um, getting into multifamily. So I, I really just want to tie that in to this asset class real fast as far as the budget goes because a lot of people, they, they might have, 
20,000 available. They might have 300,000 available. And both of them come up to me and ask me, what should I do next? Uh, hey, Adam, your, your course is, I have 25K. Your course is 25K. Uh, should, I, should I pay the 25K? And I'm like, it really depends. Like really scrutinize and like ask a lot of questions first. What do you have? Who do you know? What are you going to do? What's your, because you, you probably ought not to just put your last amount of money to somebody's coaching program unless you know for a fact that it's going to get you where you are. That's just, so, that's so risky to me, right? So you got to understand what is the budget. And like you said, David's like, oh, but I'm going to make money. I'm going to end up making so much money. But like, you just don't spend your last dollar on things. You know, you just don't spend your last dollar on things that take, uh, take a long time because people might sell you a dream. I won't, I'm not going to sell you a dream. People might come and say, you're going to have $200,000 in the next 60 or 90 days because you pay for my coaching program. And it's like, realistically, you have to really start to lay a foundation for a while. You have to create some stuff for a while and then you start to kind of launch it. And then it's going to take twice as long or three times as long as you think it's going to take. So you want to understand that going in. Begin with the end in mind, like our friend Stephen, Stephen Covey always yeah. says, begin with the end in mind. So number three, the budget. Same thing, people come up to me and they're like, hey, I want to be invested in multifamily. And I want to start by going passive. I have 300K. Can I put the 300K into your deal? And I'm like, it depends. Number one, how much more do you have behind it? Because I only want you to put like 10 or 20% of, of all that you have into one place. And secondly, so, so I would say if you have 300 and you specifically want to be passive, I would say try to go passive in at least five deals. So max of 20%. So you have 300K, maybe you're, maybe you're going 50K here, 25K here, and 100K on one of them maybe, max. Right. And then, and then the next thing I say is, are you planning on becoming an operator? Do you want to be an operator? Because if you want to actually run the show, you might actually need that money. You might not want to go passive. You might not, you might waste all of your money by getting rid of your liquidity to go into my deal or some, anyone else's deal. All of a sudden you have, you don't have your 300 K and you also, you're trying to launch your own uh, where you're the operator. If that's your goal, you probably need to have that dry powder because if you're closing a $10 million deal, you need more than 300K just to bring it across the finish line. All right, so do you have any other thoughts on the budget or should we move into number four, the mindset? Well, yeah, I think just, just I mean, not so much budget, but it does dovetailing on that last point of yours. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just drive it home. People come to me with, with, with the same thing, $20,000, $25,000, and, and they're like, they want to invest, they want to invest. And I tell them, you know, like before you're making money, like the first thing you should be investing is in is yourself. You know, you have twenty thousand dollars. You know, figure out how to get a good education with that money, learn how to do something with that money, and start generating more money. Because passive income is nice, but if that's all you have and you're starting with so little, it's not going to get you where you need to get to. So your best asset is yourself, and you should definitely find ways. The first expense, the first investment, should be in yourself. So yeah, twenty five thousand on learning how to run a real estate deal is a uh, it is a good investment, but again, 25000 only, that's already a little bit too much maybe. Yeah, love it, love it. All right, mindset, number four. So mindset, yeah, so mindset I think is one of the, 
I kind of stuck in the middle here, but to me, it's probably, I think it's the most important one. And that's most human beings are not wired to, to handle money properly or to think about money properly. Um, we have a certain, you know, risk aversion mentality, and we're always kind of going towards trying to create safety in our lives. And a lot of times that leads us away from things that would actually be more profitable in the long term, which in, which in reality is safer. Um, you know, a classic example of this is, is what I mentioned before, the people, people are trained to just you know, grow up and you get your job and you work for the company and, and you have a stable income. And, you know, I mean, that, that, that did work for a lot of people for a while, but the world changes and things change. You have to know what, how people are making money today and how things are working and, and how to make money. Um, I'm a big believer in, in getting, in having diversified streams of income. No one should have all their money generated from one location. Um, personally, I, I think the, the biggest, for example, I, I practice what I preach. Um, I love real estate. I think it's, 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 it's great. But I think the biggest threat to real estate is technology right now. I put a couple of posts up about that, about how, about how, for example, and I, I'm not trying to say don't invest in multifamily. I'm not trying to turn away all your investors here. That's okay. Um, That's okay. You know what? I am okay with you being saying whatever you truly feel. <laughs> it will never hurt me. It is okay. <laughs> so just, just if you feel it, let's educate the listener to, to your thoughts. It, it is totally fine. So the idea is that, is that the wealth mindset is one that um, you spend time learning about money, read books about money, and, and you should never, it's a very expansive growth mindset. It's a mindset of, you know, there's not, a lot of times people feel like, oh, that's not for me. This is not for me. That's something which is too hard for me to understand. And, and, and the truth of the matter is handling money and understanding the basic economics you need to know this stuff. It sounds very scary, but it's the kind of thing that, that most people can get. And, and if you have that, if you understand how money works and the flow of money, and you have to understand things like accounting, taxation, but basic, in a basic level, um, it's something that most people can, can achieve a sufficient mastery over and a mastery of that they can then actually apply it in their lives. Um, so it's both a matter of, of having the knowledge base and also using that to create the proper emotional uh, framework in which to invest. You know, you don't want to invest because investing is risky. You know, some people you tell, oh, put, you invest your money and they'll say, well, I can lose it all. And you're right that, like, you know, there is a chance that can happen, but what are the, how many people who's put their money into uh, 10 different multifamily deals, how many of those people lost all their money? You know, you're hard pressed to find, you know, I doubt anyone hard, did yeah, unless you, it was a Ponzi. Last crash. You're really hard pressed to find that because you're right. Theoretically it's possible, but you have to have the right, but if you understand how money works, how generating money works and the way to do this, the way to do this is just, there, there are great books out there. You know, the classic one is, uh, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's something which, which everybody should read and everybody should read more than once. And, and from there, there are lots of other books that you see just, there are a lot of people out there who've generated wealth and they, they've put to paper their ideas and, and just read these books and begin to start thinking with a much more expansive mindset, a mindset not of, you know, I have to protect what I have, but a mindset of what can I achieve and how can yeah. I achieve it? And that shift will allow you to just learn all these new things that sounds like a lot, but it really can be done. And, and you get, you start on this path to be able to actually start doing these things and taking these steps to, uh, to, to make more money and to create wealth. That's great. 
The next thing that I want to talk about is number five, which is diversity and uh, diversify, diversifying your portfolio, where you're invested, just like David's doing. He's in three different asset classes. So let's talk a little bit more about that. David, take it away. Yeah, so diversification, I think, is something which, you know, everyone talks about, but I don't think everyone really understands it or, or imbibes it in a deep way. It, diversification is not just a matter of, you know, being in a couple of different stocks or having some money in stocks, having some money in bonds or, or real estate, but diversification is a mentality. It's, it's saying that I don't want all of my financial future to be reliant on a single asset type, asset class market. You know, let's say, for example, you, you work for, uh, you know, you work for General Motors, right? So if that's who you work for and, you know, you get rewarded in GM stock, so your entire financial future, as these people learned, is dependent on a single company's success, which is not a good way to go. You want to be spread around, and you want to be spread around in areas that are not reliant on each other. So if you're in stocks and you're in real estate, you know, they usually work separately. From 2008, everything kind of crashed together. That's what was so difficult about that crash is it was an everything crash. But usually, assets move in different directions. So, you know, you're in real estate, you're in that. Maybe you put a little bit of money in something like crypto. So, you know, if the bottom falls out, maybe that takes off. Um, the point is to keep yourself separated. And you can even have diversified um, jobs. You know, I just, there was an article put out in, uh, I think it was Harvard Review that was floating around the internet a couple, of days, a couple of weeks ago about having multiple careers simultaneously. It doesn't mean that you're a doctor and a lawyer and an accountant at the same time, but it does mean that you set yourself up that you can have multiple skill sets and each one generates some money. And that way you're bringing in money from multiple locations at any given time. Uh, now you don't do this overnight. You have to build it out. You know, certain things you can do easily. You can always buy, you know, a range of stocks, a basket of stocks, and that's easy for anybody. Building out multiple skill sets to be functional in multiple areas is, is a bit takes longer, but we're not talking about overnight success here. Building wealth and creating wealth is a, in reality, part of that wealth mindset is it has to be a, it works best when it's a multi-generational plan. If you're thinking how to build generational wealth, that's when you can start. You're, you know, those, those people you know who have like hundreds of millions of dollars are investing because they're their they're grandparents. Like you can be that grandparent. You can create a lot of wealth for yourself and you can create a legacy for your family. This is where it all starts. Awesome. All right. Number six after diversity is to be careful, but not afraid. I love that so much myself because I've never eloquently put it like this, but everybody's, there's so many people that are, that they want to be careful, so they just never do anything. And then there's other people that are reckless and they just go full bore. And I don't, I've never known how to say what the middle ground was. So I'm excited to learn that from you right now. David, what do you mean by number six, be careful, but not afraid? Yeah, so... As you said, you, people usually start out at two extremes. You know, you have the one extreme, people who are just nervous and they just don't want to do anything. Um, and then the other extreme is the people who are just, well, you can't make money without taking risks. So they make taking risks their, their value system. They just take risks. And, and the point of, uh, of the idea of be careful, don't be afraid, uh, means that you don't take unnecessary risks and you have to spend a lot of time learning things, educating yourself, and quantifying those risks. In my real estate course that I have online, my first section is all about quantifying risks. Um, and if you do that, you quantify a risk, which the way I do it is I, you first have to figure out, you know, what are the chances of it happening? And then you figure out, you know, how much is it going to impact? So 
like you may have a risk like a market crash, which will hurt you a lot, but the odds are low. You have other risks, which, uh, you know, vacancy risk, which is more frequent, more common. Um, you know, maybe you target normally a 5% vacancy. Now, the odds of hitting an 8% vacancy is quite common, but it's not going to wipe you out. It just means you have slightly lower returns. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their 9 to 5, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose, and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract and at 27 years old was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. You have to understand what the risks are, and then you can account for it, and you build that into your diversification plan. You know, if you have, um, if for example, and you have to think about the risk in terms of the bigger picture. If you have, a, for example, stock trading, if you have a plan, that you know you only win 50% of your trades. Half your trades, you double your money. Half your trades, you lose all your money. But you can consistently win 60% of your trades. You're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. But you're going to make a lot of money if you trade small amounts at a time. You trade everything every time, you're going to lose everything eventually like, pretty quick. But you trade small amounts, you'll keep winning more than you lose and you'll consistently be making a lot of money. The idea is, is, is part of, once you're educated, you can use it to quantify your risks and then you can control your emotions. Emotions, when it comes to investing, are your worst enemy. You have to get control of your emotions. You mean that doesn't mean if you're afraid of something, you have to understand why you're afraid of it, understand the risks, and then based on that, you can make an informed decision. So you're not taking. So you're, yes, the only risk should be things that are unknowable. There shouldn't be things that are knowable that you're not taking into account. So you're careful. You spread your money around. You don't, take, you don't just do it because there's a risk involved, but once you're doing that, if you're, there's enough investments out there that the risks are quantifiable enough, you should be able to be successful. Love, love that. And I don't, uh, I don't know if I really want to tell all the listeners about my old gambling issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a long time ago, I made more money gambling than I made anywhere else. And wow. I did it the exact way you're saying, and I never had the odds that you're talking about. My odds were uh, 49% when I started. It went down to maybe 47%. And every single individual card that comes out of the deck, you count it. And you memorize how many percentages right. it takes away from or adds to your probabilities of winning. 
every five has a certain value. Every six has a certain value. Every ace has a certain value. Every 10 has a certain value. And so as you're kind of going through, you are trying to remember all of these things coming out, but it's like you start at 49%, you're going to win. And the best I've ever got was about 53.5% that I'm going to win. But the problem is most people that, that do card counting, they think that just because you have a good count and the probabilities are now 53% that you're going to win, all of a sudden they go all in. Yeah. They put too much on the table. And um, that's when the only time I've ever lost money gambling or this is, I don't, anything really investing is almost like a gamble, but let's just say the only times that I ever lost is when I, when I invested too much and that is the one that lost. So I used to just like slowly count cards, slowly count cards. And you just, you all, I could only win if the minimum bet was $1 because then I already, I knew all of the other bets. But if, if, if it was a minimum of five and a maximum of a hundred, I just can't win that game. The only way that you win is, is through absolute luck because what you're saying is if, you, if you're putting out money into you know, a portfolio of like perhaps stocks and 60% of them are winning and 40% of them are losing, you're winning. Like you're winning. And the same thing like gambling. <laughs> I had to be there all night and I had to be doing like a dollar, 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 five dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. And I needed to know that if I could go up to a thousand, I could go up to a thousand. But anyway, it's, it's very hard to explain to a whole bunch of, a whole large audience. But <laughs> I knew every single, when a five came out, I was like, okay, this is my odds. When a six came out, okay, this is my odds. When a 10 came out, okay, this is my odds. Hey, I'm, I'm, I need to walk away from the table because we're at 47%. Hey, I need to double my bet because we're at 53%, whatever. But anyway, very, very interesting. Congratulations, uh, you just got banned from Las Vegas. Oh, you know what? I got banned from two casinos, but a lot of casinos, I could tell them the count. I could tell them the probabilities and they just like keep dealing to me, Uh, which is random. But yeah, I didn't make a whole bunch of money. I I make maybe like uh, 300-ish about every every day that I would go, I'd make like 300, but I was paying a buck was the lowest, right? So yeah, you know what you did there? You really, but you really honed your, your discipline and your emotional control. Which is incredible. Yeah, until it's not there. Until you have a couple drinks, and then and then uh, you're just like, oh, it's fifty three percent. Let's put a hundred bucks on there, and then all of a sudden you walk away losing money. But anyway, so I I'm not advocating at all for gambling. And if you no, do, we, we advocate we advocate for real estate here. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's go through this. So far, we've talked about the seven step. We've talked about six of the seven steps that you need in order to build wealth. That's leveling up, educating yourself, uh, budgeting, making sure you understand what your finances are. Then your mindset, your diversity, being careful but not afraid. One of my favorites on there. And number seven, bring us home, David. Set aside, set aside the time. Yes, you got you to you set aside time to find opportunities. Opportunities are there for people who look for them. We live in a day and age where it, it's, it's never been easier to, to find opportunities, to look at opportunities, to chase opportunities. You just really need to, to, once you know what you want, you've done your research, you've learned about different investments, you want to go for something, now you need to find the opportunities within there. It's not always, not, you know, you're in real estate, you know, what do they say? You got to like research 100, 100 deals dive into 10 of them, make offers on three of them to close on one property. You got to have time 
to even if you're investing passively, you have to have time to, to look into your opportunities, to see what's happening in the various markets that you're looking to invest in or to trade in or whatever it is you're looking to do, identify and identify those opportunities and carry through on them. Some opportunities, once you identify them, you can just snap them up like that, you know, stocks, options, things in liquid markets. Some take longer. You know, you want to trade, you want to invest passively in real estate. So you can know you're one or two syndicators who are bringing you deals and you get a couple of deals a year and then you're limited to that pool or you can spend time, you know, reaching out and talking to more people and finding ways to create more opportunities for yourself and to gain access to more opportunities. So that has to be an activity that it doesn't have to take up all your time, but you do need to invest. The more time you invest in, in seeking out opportunities, the more opportunities you'll find and then you'll be able to invest in the better ones. I love it. Thank you so much. We've got a lot of value from you. Number seven was, again, setting aside the time that it takes in order to find the opportunities. Now that you've done all those other things, you need to be able to actually set aside the time to find the opportunities. David, I've learned a ton from you. I know the listener has. I really uh, am grateful for the time that you spent uh, from Israel to come onto the podcast here. You know, it's funny, we are listened to in 17 countries, and Israel is one of them. Uh, maybe you're one of the listeners. I don't know, but uh, we, do get, uh, we do get a hot spot in Israel. So uh, thank you for uh, everything that you've done for us today. I have two last questions. The first of the, of the two is someone's listening right now, and you might be able to help them go to the next level. So... The first question, how can you help the listener? Okay, so I have a couple of, um, couple of things out there. The first thing, you can just go over to my website. Again, it's, it's under review right now. We're currently redoing it, but the basic functionality is there. Pardon any uh, um, glitches in the system. But we have a website. You can go to it's ydlpinvestments.com. It's ydlpinvestments.com. And over there, you can either you know, fill out a contact request form, I'll be in touch with you, or you can sign up for our newsletter. We send out updates when we have deals, and we send out educational material, um, typically once a week, uh, where we go much deeper um, into different into various topics over the course of a few weeks. So, so you can understand better when people bring you deals, you can understand better the things we're talking about today. That's what the newsletter there is for. It's meant to be you know, maximum impact, not, not, not fill up your inbox with emails on a daily basis. Usually the newsletter is no more than once a week. Um, and then if you're really interested, we have a, uh, I have a course online. Um, that's at a much longer uh, um, URL, uh, but there's a link to it on the website. And uh, we have two courses there. One of them is a short webinar that's free. And then we also have uh, a more complete course, which gives you a lot of the tools you need to be a sophisticated passive investor. We go through the understanding of capital stack, we go through um, risk quantity, and we go through various real estate asset types to understand the basics of what to be looking for and asking in a deal. We also go through questions to ask a sponsor to identify red flags and try more to vet who not to work with. And, and then we run through a full, a full uh, OM. We take a full operating memorandum, offer memorandum and we run through it. And we go through all the various points, the highlights, the risk factors, so you can kind of see how we pull it all together and um, do it for yourself. That is really generous of you to offer that. So the main website is ydlpinvestmentsplural.com. Is that accurate? That's and correct. what does YDLP stand for? Well, that's just me and my partner. 
Okay, perfect. I'm B, and my partner is YL. I uh, got it, got it, got it. Last question for you, sir, and thanks for coming on. The last question before I let you go is how can the listener find you or get a hold of you? Would it just be YDLPinvestments.com? Is that the best way? That's, that's one way to reach me. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah, I go by David Prail, D-O-V-I-D-P-R-E-I-L, and through my website. Yep, I would recommend that you, the listener, hop on over to um, – to LinkedIn and type in David's name, which is D-O-V-I-D. He pronounces it David. And for this call, he allowed me to say David the whole time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. But D-O-V-I-D-P-R-E-I-L. Just go to LinkedIn and friend him. He's always adding content. He's well connected with a lot of people. And he's one of those go-givers that's always offering value before he ever asks for anything. I don't even know if he asked for anything. He's very generous with his time, just like he was saying when he's helping you to be a sophisticated passive investor by going to YDLPinvestments.com. You can do that now. I'm going to let you go, David. Thank you for coming on the show. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. We're grateful to have you as a listener of the podcast. Please, if you'd like to meet in person, make sure you grab your tickets to the Raising Money Summit, which is October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So it's coming right up. It's already August. I can't believe it. So the Raising Money Summit is going to be here in just a few weeks. Grab your tickets. Let's meet in person. You'll get a ton of value. So I can't wait to meet you there.